All right, everybody, welcome to Growing the Fishes podcast, episode 230. Uh, this week we have Rizo Rich with us. Uh, I do apologize for taking two weeks off there. Um, <clears throat> the week before I was sick, and then last week I was traveling. I was working on a grow uh, in another state, so it uh, wasn't uh, as easy to get the, uh, the stream going in the hotel. So, um, yeah, decided to uh, just postpone it a week, so. Um, yeah, we're, we're here this week, and uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. We also have uh, Marty. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Uh, How's Marty, it going? And been, Marty and I have been working hard to get um, more content up for the online class. Uh, Marty's been working on some content with his new build, uh, getting a lot more sections up. We have a lot of new IPM stuff in there, and um, you can check out more information at our uh, complete on- online class over apmjclass.com. Uh, we have a, a full aquaponic cannabis uh, in-depth masterclass you can check out over there. And you can get nutrients for your systems over apmjnutes.com uh, if you're looking for aquaponic cannabis nutrients. Um, so thanks a lot, uh, Rich, for joining us. Uh, why don't you tell us a little about um, uh, what you do? You're, you've been on the uh, the Growcast quite a few times. You're one of the regular guests. You uh, do a lot of different grow stuff, uh, all different kinds. Um, you're based over there in Illinois, which has been uh, uh, quite the interesting <laughs> experiment and legalization, to say the least. Uh, so uh, thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I was super stoked when you uh, asked me to come on. It's, it's definitely exciting, and I'm, I'm very happy to be here, uh, be on the show for sure. Uh, I pretty much help out over at Growcast, just like uh, create content, get interviews, uh, help Jordan do whatever he needs to do with membership or, you know, help him out. Uh, also do episodes with him, like you talked about. Um, I've been growing. I'm going to be 34 this year. It's been almost 16 years. I was about 17 or 18 when I started my own grow, you know, indoor grow. Um, it's been a while, you know, I had some, some off times in between, but I've had some time to kind of hone my own little recipes in. And I do some consulting around Illinois, just with, uh, pretty much I'll help out anybody, but it's, it basically, I'm I'm mainly helping newer growers that are, uh, you know, newer medical, medical card growers that are, uh, starting up their legal quote unquote grow in the, uh, Illinois market, you know, you're only allowed to have five plants that are over five inches tall. Um, there's just a, a bunch of ridiculous rules and stuff to navigate. So I have a lot of a lot of new grower clients like that. I actually have quite a bit of uh, clients from other states too that are maybe not so friendly, you could say, I guess. But so yeah, it's it's a lot of new growers I'm helping out just to get started and um, get going. I have a lot of veterans I help out. Um, it's just, it's mainly what I'm doing now is just the grow casting consulting. Um, I've been doing a little breeding on the side for fun for myself and Jordan's kind of Jordan and Rob were both pushing me along to, uh, open that up more to some of the members. So I started doing it a little bit more and going to start offering seeds and giving seeds out 
to people in membership and also listeners and just people in general to get as many people growing as we can. You know, that's kind of the the main goal of it and kind of the main goal of my consulting and everything is just to get as many people started growing as possible that are interested in it and just try to normalize it as much as I can, you know. Oh, yeah. So you, you got a lot of four inch tall plants over there is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. Let's keep them, keep them small. Exactly. Or, uh, you know, I have a buddy who just finished his first quote unquote legal grow and he did four plants and uh, he actually was doing DWC and he grew four monsters and pulled down like five and a half pounds um, with his indoors. So, you know, people are doing some interesting things to to get in that that five plant limit so they're taking advantage of it or people are you know like you said kind of struggling with it i know myself i don't five isn't really enough i like variety so you know it's kind of hard to deal with five plants are people doing kind of like the fruit cocktail tree plants as well where they're grafting a bunch of different cuts onto one mother or I haven't seen it yet, but I, I have seen people talking about it. So it's interesting you bring that up. I haven't seen it myself in person done. I have seen pictures of it. It looks pretty cool and uh, definitely a good idea, you know, especially if you really, really wanted to stay in that legal limit and keep, you know, the fiber under. You could do it, I guess. So so tell us what about uh, Illinois. I know I saw a, a pretty funny meme receipt recently that uh, <laughs> of three grams of concentrate being like $301 and... Uh, uh, just kind of going, you know, I've, I've spent less than $40 for that same amount. Like that's insane. Um, no, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, it is. It's really, really bad. The taxes are insane. I'm going to be honest with you. I've never actually stepped foot in a dispensary here in Illinois yet. Um, I've had plenty of products from them that people have got me. I just haven't been into one yet. I don't have, you know, really a need or a desire to go in there to spend any money. I probably should go in just to check it out, but I hear enough stories and have tried enough things that I, I just really don't have an interest. But uh, <laughs> they do have some interesting laws. Like once you get over a certain THC percentage, you're paying a higher percent tax. Um, you know, just really weird shit like that. And like you said, it's way overpriced. Um, you know, the the legal amount that you can have, um, if, let's, let's say if you can have an ounce um, you go to the dispensary, you're not going to be able to buy an ounce. You know, uh, you're lucky if most dispensaries are going to even have an eighth of flour that you can buy. Um, sometimes you can find the, I guess, the little 14 gram popcorn nug jars that some of the uh, companies have going around, but that's pretty rare. And then, like you said, it, it is just the pricing is insanity. It's, you know, it, it makes the black market thrive here because you know, the stuff on the black market's better and it's cheaper. And it just, you know, if you know somebody, it doesn't make sense to go to a dispensary. So a lot of people don't. And, you know, there is plenty of people in the state that don't know anybody that do go to the dispensary. So they do really well, too. But I don't it know is anyone, very overpriced. I don't know anyone in the black market that's paid more than $60 an eighth since like forever. 2005 or something like that. Right? Yeah. Like, Right. So so for them to try and get seventy five dollars an eighth, no one's going to pay that. Absolutely no one. And certainly no one that's used to smoking cannabis. And, and this is a great example. Illinois is a wonderful example of 
of how not to do legalization. Um, 100%. I've had two clients where we've, we've talked out and Marty and I worked on one of the projects. Um, we've completely talked them out of Illinois. There, there is no profit. I don't blame you. Uh, uh, there, there, there's simply no money left when you get to their tax rate. And then not only that, so, so let's look at, <clears throat> okay, let's look at even Colorado or California. Well, a lot of their percentage of their income is not from people that are in-state residents for recreational. It's from out-of-state residents that are recreational, okay? And Illinois has this goofy-ass thing where you can only buy half as much if you're an out-of-state resident. Yep. Well, that immediately hamstrings all of your dispensary's ability to actually make any revenue because that's over that that's 60 plus percent of the revenue is out of state. So so certainly they will be in Chicago. So so 100 percent because it's surrounded by, you know, three other states right there. So exactly. So 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 you're you're, you're completely hamstringing these businesses ability just to do basic business and you, you can't do it. You can't make the numbers work. No, you can't. And it's funny because somebody I know was saying, you know, I know somebody who has money and we want to get a license. And I'm like, you don't, it's not even how much money you have here. You know, you can have all the money in the world in Illinois. You do need that, but you also need to know somebody too. You know, you're not just going to get a license. You, you really have to know somebody and have the money here. You can't just have, you know, $10 million and think you're going to get a license. You better know, you know, the right people. It's very, uh, very clicky and very corrupt. And I know a lot of other states are corrupt too, but it's really, really bad here. It's extremely hard to get a license or even, you know, get one awarded. And I know people were, you know, uh, applying for craft licenses. And I know people that were uh, renting out buildings and properties before they even got awarded the license, just so it looked like they were being proactive and, you know, it upped their chances of getting a license and they, you know, invested their life savings in it. It's like, what happens when you don't get a license because they're only awarding a certain amount? I think it's like 60 something or, or something like that for the crap licenses. And there's thousands of people applying. And then you talk to each one of them, every one of them is convinced they're getting a license. It's sad, you know, they're not going to, every one of them's not going to get a license. And I just hate to see them keep dropping money into stuff like that. You know, I know I burned a hell of a lot of cash trying to get a license in Cali. And I realized you can't do legal business in Cali. So I moved on. Yeah, sometimes it's just what you have to do. You know, you have to find the right spot. And some states are just really bad and, and a lot worse than others. Like you said, Illinois really is an example of, you know, how not to do it. It's just very, very strict. And like I said, there's not enough product either for people either. So they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot. They have they're making a ton of money still, but they still can't keep enough product on the shelves. You know, there's people can't walk in and get what they want. their, you know, legal amount and walk out of there very easily. It's rare. You know, they're getting under what they're allowed to get because the dispensary doesn't have it. And, and for no real good reason either. I think there's, yeah. you know, there's no reason that all those people couldn't be craft or at least attempt to be craft growers. You know, we're all, you know, we're always big advocates, you know, going back as far as the show has dealt with legalization uh, of, you know, really competition, uh, you know, sort of being um, the, the important factor of, uh, of any healthy local market. And Definitely. if you regulate the small amount of competition out of it, and, you know, you'll hear all of these different things about how they got to protect the price point and like all of these other, like, um, yeah, you know, always something. And it, yeah, it's always something. And I think that, uh, uh, Oregon's healthiest um, 
cannabis market was before legalization for recreational and we just had the medical market. We had literally like 2000 growers in our local county here. Every dispensable had plenty of product, right? Uh, a variety of different strains. Um, you know, you had one-to-one strains, you had CBD only, you had, you know, like a, a variety of stuff and now, uh, you know, different types of, of products. And now for the most part, it's just high THC dabs, like in mm. edibles. And so not that there's necessarily anything wrong with that, but um, by over-regulating the medical market after uh, recreational landed, they really just choked out the market to the point where um, now quality is is way down and there's way less growers and medical patients have a harder time. They pay more money to get meds. Like really it's just been, um, you know, not good. And, and I think Illinois is probably, you know, <laughs> sounds even worse. So that's not, uh, yeah, not it is in the right direction. You know, they don't let that the cream rise to the top, you know, and they don't let that healthy competition, like you said, and let enough people get licenses and, you know, the, the good ones, they, they end up being the ones who are successful, you know, and they just don't allow that. They just, whoever can afford these super expensive licenses and that's it. And there's not much variety. Like you said, it sounds like you guys had a lot of really nice variety before. And it sounds like a you know, kind of dispensary I want to go into that a bunch of craft growers are contributing to and a bunch of different good stuff, a bunch of variety. And, and then, like you said, now it's just a very limited limited number of things and that's how the the stuff is in illinois too there's very limited amount of strains it's all the same stuff um some of the bigger places now can grow stuff out and sell it to other companies and they can put their label on it so they're doing that um you know jordan's got stuff plenty of times so a host over at growcast he lives by me and he's gotten you know quote unquote top shelf stuff from around here and it has you know 12 seeds and an ace you know that's not really acceptable, you know, but that's what people have to deal with here. That's just the kind of stuff that they put out. You know, you don't have the the choice to get anything else in the legal market. There's not, you know, I'm not saying it's all bad, but overall it's nothing impressive, you know? Right. And I think the important thing to remember is that in, in competition, as long as you have regulation at like the point of sale, like in the medical market, we had to before recreational came in, we basically just had to go through testing before it went into the dispensary. <clears throat> so you had grow inspections and you had that stuff that was handled by the, the medical marijuana program to make sure that your grow was compliant. And then each dispensary is responsible for, for requiring testing. You had to post the test results, including, um, you know, like mold testing and all of that. Um, you had to post all of it with any of your product. And you had to get, um, I think it was every, you had to get one, one test per pound. Um, and so you, you had testing right at the point of sale. So you were testing for, you know, pesticides, you were testing for mold, you were, you know, all the harmful stuff. And in addition to that, your, you know, your THC um, and your different cannabinoid profiles. And that really made for an educated buying experience and was, you know, just reasonable regulation that wasn't uh, um, completely geared towards supporting a recreational, like large recreational grows. Everything is 
is cheaper. And like somebody in chat said that, you know, it was only $1,400 for a recreational license, um, which is great for recreational growers, but for medical, it just made it extremely disadvantaged because you, by the time you paid to register all of your patients, you were paying more to grow 48 plants than somebody who could grow a 5,000 square foot indoor facility and a 10,000 square foot outdoor facility. Um, that, may, that makes it really difficult to compete. And that's just one, one example of it. And so um, it, it turned out to be not great. Wow, that's incredible that they have it set up like that. I had no idea. Yeah, everything is heavily weighed towards um, you know, you pretty much have to go through a very similar process to do, uh, to do medical. If you're going to do any more than 12 plants, you know, you have to do the plant tracking, the seed to sale, the, you know, a number of different regulations. So it makes it difficult to be and expensive to be a small grower. Um, and if you got a recreational license, now you are at such an advantage because your, your square footage is literally like a thousand times bigger than what uh, you can produce with the number of plants that you can have max medical grow. You can have 48 plants. So then that's for sick patients. Wow. Yeah. We don't even have any kind of, any kind of caregiving thing or anything in Illinois either. That's, you know, the other thing is they allow, you know, only medical card holders are allowed to grow up to five plants and, and that's it. They do have it you know, set up where if you don't have a medical card and you get caught growing up to five plants, it's just a $200 civil ticket. So there's a lot of people that are, you know, doing up to five that don't necessarily have a medical card and are just, you know, going to take the $200 ticket if something happens. But right. I know that the law is very strict here and they do have it set up that, you know, you better make sure that if, you know, you're not getting caught with more than five or it goes into, you know, pretty heavy territory and stuff you don't want to be getting in trouble for. So you do have right. to be very careful. But Yeah, it's definitely something that uh, uh, is, is interesting. I think that um, uh, I think it's definitely something when, when the Fed legalization comes down, we really, really, really need to make sure that we do have provisions for caretakership and be able to grow for our elderly neighbors and our Definitely. family members and our friends that are hurting. You know, we, we sh and not only that, but a lot of the better cultivars you've seen in the medical side um, over the years have come from that. L look at the work of Wade Laughter with Harlequin and Cherry Sue and, and all that stuff, or, or Charlotte, you know, even the bastardized Charlotte's Web, which was stolen. We've gone into that on the show before, but, you know, and all the different, you know, but most of the CBD cuts were, were grown and then distributed to people that needed it by people that were also sick or, or caretakers. And, and that's where I think you're still going to see for a long time, um, a lot of these more medically important cultivars are coming out of these smaller communities that have kind of a, a closed little network of people that are focused on one disease or on one, you know, chemovar because it's helping with a particular ailment. ailment. And I think that, you know, that's, that's not going to go away anytime soon, nor should it, you know. Um, uh, but I think that that's, 
uh, something that has to be part of any type of federal bill. You know, we have to have the ability to, you know, uh, grow for other people if they can't grow themselves and, and or if they're too sick. And I think that absolutely has to be part of any med. And, and we've had um, uh, Wade Laughter come on the show and talk about the Dennis Perone and Brownie Mary bill that, that actually helped put forth a, a proper caretakership. Uh, well, it still could be better, but um, it did put those provisions back in that were removed by Amendment 64 or at least help the situation. So, um, you know, we, we've gone into this quite extensively, but it is something that like, you know, if you are in a state and they're talking about legalization, make sure that, you know, that's definitely part of it. It shouldn't just solely be corporate at all. And I'm saying that as someone that, you know, definitely gets involved with a lot of the business side of the cannabis industry. Um, you have to have those caretakerships uh, uh, in order to provide medicine for people that need it sometimes, because sometimes the, 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 the cultivar you need isn't a commercially viable one. Maybe it takes longer than 10 weeks to finish. Maybe it has some other trait that makes it not commercially, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, maybe it's yield as shit or, or maybe some other Definitely. thing. Maybe it works really good for your kid's seizures. You know what I mean? And you shouldn't be blocked from that. Or maybe you're just extremely limited by plant count. So the fact that you can only grow 48 plants means plants that you need to turn over every one of them at maximum yield and you have no room in your profit to be able to grow anything outside of that box. But if you had, say, the ability to have a much larger canopy, and then you could grow a large percentage of high yield crop that can help you know, pay the bills and keep the lights on. But you can also grow other strains that will be able to serve something other than profit. In this case, like Steve was talking about, you got a long flowering sativa that you need to grow that, uh, you know, commercial producers that are just looking for profit aren't going to grow a 16 week flowering period plant. I don't care how much money you have. It's not, not going to happen. Eventually your, your business people counting your dollars and be like, why are you doing this? You know, it doesn't make and, sense. Business you, sense, you know? Yeah. It does make business sense that, you know, as a consultant, that's a hundred percent true, especially when you have your hands tied by uh, just, just the amount of plants that you can grow, whether you're talking about square footage or you're talking about uh, cost for, for small growers and small plant counts. Um, all of those things end up making a big difference. Yeah, I totally agree there, man. The, the whole caretaker thing, it is really really unimpressive here and you know we don't even technically we're not even allowed to gift anything to anybody and I do like I have my own personal garden and it's you know I like to have a variety so it's probably three or four times the size than what I need it personally for myself so I gift a lot of stuff out to people I give a lot of stuff to Jordan or other people that I know that need it um my friend's dad has cancer and I've been making him RSO and stuff and you know you just you can't legally do stuff like that here technically and it's a shame like like uh steve was saying there's people that just aren't in a position to grow whether they're sick or whether they're in an apartment they're just not allowed to or able to and they need somebody to you know provide it for them because they just don't have the money to go to a dispensary and you know get robbed basically every time they go in there for a little bit you know a little bit of product and it's just a shame that's all or, it's something or, that I, I see here that i don't like or even custom yeah. blends. I know we, we make a sublingual for a, a couple of pediatric patients. That's a very a specific oh, wow. and not common um, 
ratio of THC to CBD, but it helps with their seizures. So we make it right. And it's something that we don't sell over the counter. We're, we're, we're going to get eventually get there, but right now we're just making it to give away to these people that can't afford it right now that are, just don't have anything. They have, they've ran out of options. They were at an event we were at and we're like, cool, we got you. I got, you know, fell off Definitely. the back of the truck, whatever. Um, But, you know, for people that are hurting and need it, you know, you got to be able to do stuff like that. You know, if they don't sell that ratio at the store and your kid needs that to not have seizures, what are you supposed to do? You know what I mean? And, and that's a easy answer for me. <laughs> yeah, no, 100 percent, man. I have kids. It's an easy answer, too. You know, and I find, you know, I use it recreationally but i use it medicinally too and i find a lot of the stuff that's really medicinal for me is not a high it's not high yielding you know it's usually a small yielder it's usually you know got a lot of trichomes on it it's usually pretty smaller cookie type buds not necessarily a cookie strain but they're usually it's you know not yielding you know what uh a commercial grower would want per se you know it's not necessarily a terrible yielder but it's not the best yielder in the world and i have some that do yield great that are very medicinal too but you know i do have a lot that you know a facility is not going to grow out that like you were saying it, it might not yield or it just you know has a super long flowering time even you know 12 weeks even is is long for a lot of facilities you know that's adds up to a harvest or two at the end of the year for them and that's talks money and that you know makes business sense to them to, to not run that those strains and to run eight week strains or whatever they're running you know Right. Or even just think about how you can't even really do a proper phenol hunt with five plants or six plants. And, oh, absolutely. You, you know, you, you need, you know, like if you think about the, the larger scale phenol hunts that happen, you're, you're literally sprouting hundreds of seeds at a time and, and, you know, taking years. Yeah. And so in order to do that, it would take you forever to find them. And then even still, you know, like, how are you going to, you know, trying to do comparisons or different things, just coming from someone who, can only grow 12 plants there's only you know i can't i can't even do a phenol hunt of one strain let alone multiple strains and i'm supposed to compete right. with a recreational grow that can literally pop thousands of seeds inside of their their allowed canopy and be able to maintain them and track them and um and grow them simultaneously instead of six plants at a time per run because um or 12 plants at a time per run if you're you know, here in Oregon, you can have two people on the same property. So as long as they live on site, you can have have uh, two cards. You don't have to track everything for and, and jump through all the hoops for. So it's still less expensive than it, than it was before. But uh, anyway, the point is, if you only have 12 plants, you can't do a proper phenol hunt. You can't really find um, or even uh, effectively grow multiple strains. Uh, if you're that limited on plant count, you, you're going to grow one, one plant per strain. If you like to have five different strains, which I do, I like to have four or five different strains that I switch back and forth. And um, that's I do too. the best experience for me um, as a medicinal patient. And so, you know, th those, those types of things are also affected, not just, um, you know, the people that need specific medical strains, but just being able to find what works for you, you're you're pretty much hamstringed, in my opinion, um, with uh, what what you can even find out that you like or don't like. Especially someone who starts out with nothing. Like, let's say you get diagnosed with cancer, 
and you have to go into treatment immediately and you're under chemo and radiation, you're puking your guts out and you're telling me you want to learn how to grow because you can't get a caregiver. I mean, that's, yeah. that's ridiculous. Or what if you're on disability? What if you're in a wheelchair? What if you live in an apartment? You know, what there's about, plenty of people like that too. Yeah. Or what about like with Nick, Nick Resden had, was had, had having seizures constantly. He made the mistake. Well, they asked him if he had any, uh, there was some kind of issue. He tried to take CBD oil. They walked in when he was taking it. They took it from him and then violently arrest. I don't know if anyone remembers this. He was violently arrested in a gown with tubes and, and a plug in a port that went directly to his heart. And they violently threw him to the ground and arrested, almost killed him in the process. This is beyond mm. fuck to treat anyone who's so messed up that they're they're in the hospital to throw them on the ground like that over cbd oil right cbd man wow and it's it's very sad man it is it's that's another thing i don't think a lot of people realize or at least people in legal states tend to forget is there's still plenty of people you know in this country that don't like cannabis or you know aren't super friendly about it and, you know, you have to try to sway them somehow or, you know, I don't know, or just get more people growing so they don't have a fucking choice about it, you know? Well, you know, there's always a, well, you know, Mark, Mark Emery is definitely a controversial character, but one thing I definitely agree with him on is out, outgrow the government. If, definitely. If that's the one reason why I always produce extra seeds and always give out seeds and, and you know, especially newer growers. If everyone's growing, can't make it illegal. You That's know, exactly how I feel, man. <laughs> get as many of them growing as you can, because like you said, is outgrow them is pretty much the only thing we can do, you know? So we'll so just have to get over it. With that said, with the, the wacky market there, what are the, what are the cultivars that are kind of uh, the, the popular in strains out there in Illinois these days? Hmm so far as dispensary stuff that's going to be kind of hard for me to answer but i can you know tell you from what i see from what jordan brings me or other people have gotten me um i know there's one they call mag land race i don't know really know what it is i am very suspicious it's probably not even a fucking land race um that one tends to come with a lot of seeds in it for some reason but everybody seems to rave about that one too um there's a lot of these, uh, what the hell is that thing called? I think it's like, they call it super glue. It's basically some kind of, you know, copy on a uh, Gorilla Glue or some kind of Gorilla Glue cross. Uh, that one's pretty popular around here. We don't really have, we just started getting, so I don't want to say we don't have, um, just started getting rosins in our market so we hasn't we haven't even had like rosin or live rosin um it's all been uh co2 or bho or you know stuff like that we haven't had any solventless or you know anything like that so people see rosin they don't know what it is or you know they don't know what it's worth they they just haven't had it before you know so that's finally starting to come on the market now so people are kind of getting excited about that uh the vape pens seem to be a huge huge thing around here um people are just into really commercial type shit like you were saying or you know real industry type 
things, pre-rolls, uh, you know, the vape carts. Um, I did see one of the places now is selling glass one hitters that are pre-loaded up with a one hit in them. And then they have like a seal on the end of it. So I guess you can come in and buy a pre-packed one hitter, which is, I guess, cool. I don't know. Um, I don't know how I feel about that one. You know? ridiculous it, it is. It's, it's, it is ridiculous, dude. It's, it's. We used to sell a shit ton of those in California. We used to have. Uh, oh my God, dude. Homemade moon rocks who take like the popcorn nugs and take like the lower quality stuff that we were making for concentrate and combine it and then roll keef on the outside and we would sell those pre-packed with a one of those little tiny mini lighters because we could get those at, at the oh, wow. place in, in a little tiny pouch so you could it was kind of like a buy it get super high and go and they, we, we sold a fuck ton of those the dispensaries uh, it's yeah stupid as hell. it's one of those products there's so many products in the industry that are just stupid as hell I hate them. You hate them. They make no sense. But if they sell, they them, don't. That's fine. I mean, I can't. That seems dumb. Yeah, I can't think of why. I mean, at least even the Moon Rock is kind of silly. But at least it's you know that and it has a little bit more of a kick. Like the ones around here are just, you know, a pre-packed one hitter of. I'm gonna say flour, but it's probably fucking trim. Knowing the you know, uh, facilities around here, so. Um, you know, it's it just, I don't see, what is it going to do? I guess if you've never, ever smoked cannabis in your life and you were possibly wanting to try it, maybe you could go in and do that. That would be the only reason well, I can see those original. things would be worth anything. I mean, the they just seem edible. The number one edible the first two years in Colorado was the rookie cookie, a five milligram cookie. Wow. You know, that's funny you mentioned that because I see a lot of people, okay, we have a lot of um, like Instagram pages in Illinois and stuff that are geared toward reviewing dispensary products and shit like that. I'm sure you guys have them in your states too. Um, but I do notice a lot of people are reviewing like these 2.5 milligram edible candies or these um, little like pre-made pills which I don't, I don't really know how i feel about that either you know for recreational use but they're like putting it into a pill form and they're they're slapping labels on it like you know energy and uh relax and you know just these weird you know these pills that you could take that have you know thc or cbd in them that are supposed to you know you're supposed to take them at different times of the day or for different feelings or whatever. I don't know, but I was looking at them and some of them are like a half a milligram or like you were saying, five milligrams and just very, very, very low dosage kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't even like yeah, smoking weed that I didn't grow. I can't even imagine taking a pill <laughs> that's well, so like we, mixed up, you know, like. It's know. weird, man. It really yeah. is. We have a 10 milligram edible that is our highest volume seller, actually. <laughs> for the company. Wow. Here I mean, I totally get the small nice. dosage for people wanting to start out like that. Yeah, totally try it. Good. I mean, I'd have to eat like a dozen of those cookies to like feel anything, but you know what I it is? totally get the appeal of them and why that makes way more sense to me than a single hit. Fucking right. Yeah, the edible does. Yeah. So a lot of people come in and buy them for like headache relief, like the same way they'd buy Tylenol or something like that. But for oh, wow. three bucks, for three bucks with tax, it's hard to beat, you know, for 10 milligrams, the, the amount of like just instant relief that you can get if you if you have a good edible, you know. 
Just eat. Look what I I was digging around in one of my boxes. Whoa, what happened? Hold on, your what camera's on. Oh, there you go. What What do you got? My uh, video died. Hang on. There you, there go. you go. I was digging through one of my old boxes when I was. Oh, there it is. <laughs> oh shit! You think it's still good? Oh yeah, I'm sure. Little it's still baggies. Good. I'm sure it's a little bit cakier than it was, but it's still sealed up real good. As long we'll as it's out. sealed, <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's for you guys who don't know. This is Steve's sublingual powder. Are you is that what it looks that? like? It's changed a lot since then. Yes. Wow, that's so pretty cool, man. You, um, you added orange flavoring too, so it didn't taste like nothing. I remember it. Yeah. So. I love anyway. the sublingual idea. Say a very good way to, uh, you know, get it in your bloodstream. At least I know with other medications it is. So. There's a couple of different products like like that out here too. There's some sugar-based ones and strain-specific ones and stuff like that that other people make out here. But uh, I don't know. There's there's just certain things I think that people do wrong with a lot of the the delivery methods with the cooking oils and stuff like that and the infusions and and especially with sublinguals of in the last year and a half really worked on changing a lot of the formulation on on from. A lot of people use coconut and soy, and those are highly allergic to a lot of people. Um, so I moved away from all that stuff and moved towards a lot of other things that are a little bit better, but still, you know, meet all the hippie check boxes with the vegan <laughs> and vegetarian and and all that. I think so. my uh, my favorite part about this is the the this is obviously cannabis, not coke stickers that you have here. Yeah. Oh no! So, so I that, remember that, those baggies, man. Viral, the viral marketing we did with those, man. We. So we had a booth at New West Summit and uh, we ended up partying with like anyone that mattered there that weekend because we were just walking around handing out these little baggies that looked like Coke and everyone thought we were oh, insane for, for just being super ballsy and giving out these little baggies everywhere and somebody even got detained by security and we were <laughs> staying at the same hotel and we had to go down there and explain to them like, look, like this is a product. Uh, we told them it was CBD just to get the guy out of the situation but right. uh, it was thc but we you can modify that platform pretty heavily i mean it's nothing specific I mean, it's, you can find the recipe for that on youtube and and all that on uh you know it's it's pretty common knowledge now uh how to make uh you know pretty simple water soluble uh, uh, uh thc but um uh yeah i mean I, I do some other modifications to it to make it make it fancy but it's not something that we we do that's the stuff i was making actually currently for for the kiddos um we uh we make a cbd thc version of that specifically for for a couple of pediatric patients to meet whatever the dosage is because each pediatric patient has figured out you know the parents figure out what the cbd to thc milligram ratio is or you know their doctor whoever whoever their main treatment person is and we can dial it in exactly what they need to make sure that you know they don't have any issues and right you know, I don't, you know, I don't need to make money on something like that. I, you know, it's fine. You know, well, I, I sell my drinks and stuff like that. And that's, that's that makes you happy. Brand. You know, you feel good doing something like that. Yeah. But it, you know, it's a way to actually help people and, and get definitely and give them the exact dosage, especially for kids where you don't have a whole lot of fudge room, you know, you got to get yeah, it. Right. I'm sure, you know, for kids, I'm sure they really appreciate the, uh, you know, uh, uh, orange flavored or just a sublingual powder you know it's kind of hard to you know 
give a kid something to smoke or an edible that might taste, you know, really cannabis-like or something, you know. So a simple powder, you know, a water-soluble powder, like you were saying, that makes a lot of sense, and I'm sure they appreciate it. And, Plus, if they're you know, seizing, doing something great for them, like you said. If they're seizing, you, you, can, you can just rub it on their gums, you know. You can dump it in their gums, oh, yeah. rub it on there, and they, they don't have to worry about swallowing it or choking on it or, you know, even oil, you can choke on it. With this, it just dissolves right up against the gums. But again, yeah, that's it's awesome. Make for the kiddos um, right now, and uh, yeah. Man, I wish Very that cool. I had this kind of stuff when I still had a job and I had to go to work. And I mean, you can't. There's no smell. There's no. I know, right? Nothing left behind. Like you just throw the little bag out, you know. Yeah, yeah man, that'd be perfect. It worked pretty well. Just mix it in my drink. Just walk around. <laughs> That's what I like, man. Throw it in the coffee in the morning or something. There you go. We, I make a cappuccino. We're working on an instant on a on a coffee company right now. I'm working. Oh, on dude, that'd be so right sweet. Now. That'll be coming later in the year. But we have some really good Jamaican and Colombian coffee partners that we're going to be working with and uh, and doing some really cool uh, infusions of some higher end coffees uh, later. And when in your the boss year. starts getting cranky, you can just offer to make him a coffee and just you know, <laughs> here you go. Yep. End of the That's day. That's awesome. Then you just just change your change add a zero to your your payroll. Yeah. Yep. Don't go do that. Just give it. <laughs> just give it to the chicken Make sure you get extra extra couple bucks. Um. Uh. But yeah. So. Um. Uh. So what? Uh. Tell us a little about your growth style. Um. You, do you do more living soil? Do you do hydro? What? What are the different? Yeah. Methods? No and you found works best for you i know you, you teach a lot of newer growers um so maybe what, what what kind of do you like for your personal grow and then what do you like when you're teaching newer people yeah so um you know when i first started out growing my uncles uh two of them and my grandmother were actually growing um so i kind of grew up around it this was in the late 80s and, and early 90s and early 2000s and um you know, they were pretty much like a monocrop, always ran the same strain. We lived on an island um, on the East Coast, so there wasn't really any kind of community around that, you know, was into that. Well, you know, that grew. You didn't really know anybody that grew. Um, you kind of had your cut and stuck with it. If you did know somebody, you know, you got a special cut and kept it around. So we always ran the same thing for years. And then uh, when I moved up here to Illinois, um, I didn't have my cuts anymore because I didn't bring them with me or anything. So I kind of was forced to to start over and start from C. And it was kind of a, you know, a new journey. And I, we also had always kind of grown synthetically. It was in soil, but we always used, you know, bottled nutrients and, and shit like that. So it was, that's just all I knew was synthetics. And, uh, you know, over the, the last couple of years, I listening to a lot of different shows, watching stuff, a lot of do grows, a lot of your show, um, just a lot of shows in general and, and hearing everybody talk about organics and the flavor being different. And, um, you know, just, I like the, the better for the environment way of growing and everything. So I figured I'd, I'd give it a shot. I like to do a lot of experimenting too, which I think is also kind of, you know, helped me dial in at least my own style, but, uh, you know, I did a side by side with organics and I was super impressed with it. So that was a couple of years ago and I uh, completely switched to organics. That's probably like four years ago at this point. And I switched to organics and uh, 
you know, it started first just by adding like microbial products like Recharge. Uh, Photosynthesis Plus was actually the first one that I started using for MicroLife Hydroponics. They sent me some stuff to try out for free. And um, that's kind of was like my start of going down the rabbit hole and um, started making my own soil. I play around a little bit with KNF, but mainly only with like FFJs and FPJs. I haven't really messed around with, you know, IMOs or anything like that. I really do want to get into it, but haven't really you know, got that deep into it yet myself, just a lot of ferments pretty much, you know. Um, but yeah, just, I, I'm mainly organic now and just do my own uh, soil mix. Like I said, I use a lot of microbial products. I use uh, Recharge, Photo Plus, I use Mammoth. Um, I alternate them, of course. I use a lot of compost teas that I make myself. Um, you know, just stuff like that. I, I love my organics now. I feel like the flavor is it just pops way more than synthetics did, you know? And, and actually a, a person I know around here that set up a new grow started growing cocoa and synthetics. And I gave them a bunch of my cuts to start out because I was very curious, you know, I'm like, I want to see one, how these are going to turn out. And, you know, it's, it's just nice after a couple of years of running shit your own way to see, see it run a different style. And it, they turned out fantastic, but I do feel like there's something there with organics and just a slight amount of flavor difference you know it's a little bit more robust there's more uh more profiles that come out not only that the plants seem to look prettier they express themselves more um you know I like not having a bunch of bottles around and I like being more you know conscious about what's going on with the environment and, and what I'm using you know I'm already growing indoors it's already not very natural as it is so you got to kind of do what you can in your own ways to you know, keep it as natural and organic and environmentally friendly as you can. So that's kind of what my, my main focus is now. So that's what I, I try with most of my clients. A lot of people want to do organics now, but I do have a couple of people that want to do cocoa and shit. So. So what are some of the more interesting things you've discovered while, while doing your different uh, side-by-sides or experiments? Anything notable? I'm sure you found a couple of cool things. Yeah. So recently I did a you know, like I said, I make my own soil mix and I get a lot of people, uh, listeners, members, clients asking, what is a good brand of super soil or water only soil that I can buy? And, you know, I, I can, couldn't answer that question, honestly, because I don't buy them. I don't use them. I, you know, I see them, I hear about them, but I haven't run them. So I, you know, can't say, oh, this is a great soil. I can give you my mix, but it might be, you know, a little intense to go out and buy you know 10 or 15 ingredients or whatever and have to mix it up and a lot of people just want something pre-bagged so i got i think it was seven or eight different brands of soil um they were all water only brand soil you know claims that you know you could just use water only start to finish uh it, it was kind of just for growth uh content for growcast but it also like i said i wanted to be able to answer this question of what were some good soils to use and who could actually hold up to this water only claim um i ran detroit nutrient company water only soil um, another michigan company called total harvest control or thc soil um m3 or michigan mix out of michigan as well I tried to get some from all over the country. Uh, then I got Green Grow Pride Land Soil, um, Malibu Compost, booze, Baby Booze Blend, or whatever their super soil mix was, um, Coast of Maine Stonington Blend, Soham, 
And I think I'm missing one or two more. I'm in trouble with that though right now. Uh, but yeah, they, you know, honestly, they all did. I didn't give them anything except water only from start to finish. And this was water out of my tap because a lot of these people are new growers. They don't have RO systems. They're not running special water. Um, I wanted to, you know, and we all don't have the same tap water either, but I wanted to try to keep this as basic as possible. I wasn't adding microbials, anything like that. Um, I did about halfway through flower. I took one cup of each brand of soil and top dressed it onto, you know, the plants. Um, each one got the appropriate brand or whatever. And at the end of it, I was very surprised at how well the, the end, you know, flowers turned out. They turned out, I dare say, very close to how the uh, flowers turn out that I add all my additives and shit into. Um, you know, uh, most soils I noticed did not necessarily hold up to the water only uh, claim. A lot of them did need that top dress halfway through. They just weren't going to make it you know, from start to finish, like they claim. Um, a few did pretty good. Um, surprisingly, Soham did very good. Um, THC or Total Harvest Control did great. Detroit Nutrient Company did great. And then uh, Stonington Blend, the Coast of Maine did really good. Oh, and Purple Cow, I ran that one too. The Indica, Indica Ganja or whatever it's called. Their newer one that's, you know, solely made for cannabis or whatever growing. Uh, ran all those and those five seemed to perform the best um the others didn't necessarily perform that good um i don't know if i you know chalk it up to maybe it was just a bad batch or maybe it was stored improperly from wherever it came from you know i know that malibu compost makes great products i use their their regular compost myself in my own soil blend so i love their products and uh m3 i didn't have really good really good luck with that either but you know once again it, it could have just been stored pro improperly or something so I'm not going to say anything necessarily bad about the brand itself or the soil you know I just personally didn't have good luck with it so but yeah that that experiment really surprised me I I really expected the end product to turn out decent but I didn't expect it to turn out as good as it did without adding my microbials and my compost tea and my FFJs and, you know, stuff like that. So that one was probably one of the biggest, at least surprises for me. Um, you know, I've done a couple other smaller experiments. I try to do at least one experiment every run um, and throw like a plant or two to the side and, and do something small, whether that's just running a new soil, um, running a nutrient line a lot of people send us stuff for growcast like remo nutrients sent us a thing and even though i grow organic i will run an experiment and you know run some uh, synthetics from time to time and put it on a plant or two and just see what it does so i can give some honest feedback about you know the line or whatever um, i ran the remo line recently i ran the foop line recently uh really like the foop line uh that was a very interesting one i was impressed with that one uh, I'm sure you've heard of it and I'm sure that, uh, you know, a little something about it, probably a lot more than me, but I'm very, uh, very impressed with that product. I liked it. I liked it a lot, man. I, I thought it was a great product. I thought the, uh, the end result was fantastic. Everything tasted great. Um, it was easy to use. So that was a, a really good, good line to run. Um, that was one of the newer, you know, quote unquote, liquid organic lines that I ran. I want to try to run more of those because it seems like a lot of people are asking about liquid organics lately. And 
you know, it might not be the best thing, but whatever gets people diving in deeper to organics and eventually down the rabbit hole into making their own stuff, you know, I'm, I'm happy with it. So, you know, it would be interesting to run some of those water only tests for multiple runs. I would think that, yeah, I want to do a second run. That's funny. You say that. And I also have probably about five or six other companies that reached out and want to send a bag. So I'm thinking about not only doing a, a second one, but also doing a second one with some other brands that I couldn't include in the first one, just because they, they couldn't get a bag to me in time. Or, you know, I, I used the same exact cut in every single, you know, brand that I use to try to keep it as, you know, even as I could and as, you know, scientific as possible for my own grow. It, it's not, you know, a super scientific experiment. It was more for myself, but I tried to keep it even and used all the same cut. And I only had so many. So there was a couple of brands that, you know, wanted to send a bag and I just ran out of cuts or like I said, they couldn't send it in time. So I'd like right. to include them. <clears throat> I try to do the same thing. May I do an LED test? So I have, um, oh, that's cool. I have another uh, spider farmer just, should me a light to enter into the LED grow off. So now we have Spider Farmer, Myers Hydro, Boom Plus, um, and hopefully Spectrum King at some point, but that's has oh, wow. its own obligations at the moment. So um, anyway, so we're, we're looking to add stuff in and I try to, I have I have two different cuts and I try to put two small plants under each light so we can that's see. That's cool. <clears throat> but I've already fucked it up once and had to restart. So um, just because of mislabeled plants that was... <laughs> my own issue but uh so that and i'll just keep that going and i'll keep rotating different strains underneath them and you know kind of get a track record for each one and um you know it seems to get more traction this is about you know the third company that's reached out to um that's awesome and so then uh you know gives people a chance to really see it now we'll have different wattages like we have 150 watt now we're gonna have a 200 watt from spider farmer we have the 300 watt from bloom plus and then I have my 330 watt ceramic metal halide. So we're trying to stay in the lower wattage range, um, right. and at least for the moment, more for the, the home grower in lower power consumption um, for growing indoors. And then the, um, so I totally hear what you're saying about, um, you know, trying to keep it relatively the same, but I would say that that's probably, um, I wouldn't be surprised for the first run to turn out really well, but I would be surprised if like the second and third run continued to turn out well with water only, um, because the, uh, you know, the principles of even like KNF and, you know, all of those FFJs are to replenish soil and be able to not have to replace it. And so oh, yeah. of growers were, were sick of indoor growers were successful of, you know, just throwing out their soil after every run or, or every two runs for this exact reason. So it'd be cool to see you extend that out. And uh, that'd be, that'd be cool. Oh yeah. That. You're saying do like a, a second run using the same soil. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I don't think it would do well at all. Like I said, most of these wouldn't even get through, couldn't even get through a first run without, you know, at least having some kind of top dress of their own soil thrown on top halfway through. So I don't even know if they'd be able to. I'd love to run it just to see, though, and see what happened, because I've been <laughs> super surprised in the past, you know. Right. Or, it, um, you know, it could really demonstrate what you, you know, like you, for instance, you could do, uh, you know, a second uh, generation uh, grow without anything. And then one side by side with, uh, you know, one with FFJ added to it, for instance. That's a great idea. 
and then you can you could see the difference between the the replenished soil um, versus the not yeah i love that not. man and it would give some great uh you know k or uh, knf experiments and shit which i probably should be doing some more of like i said i try to do try to do at least one experiment you know in every room so uh oh yeah for sure that would like be right now one. i have the I have the led tests that are going and then i have um varying levels of, of potassium and phosphorus tests phosphorus tests for different strains going so um that way i can kind of dial it in for the the strains that i'm running and and i guess ultimately what i'm trying to figure out is how we know that we can use significantly less nutrients in you know organic hydro or aquaponics or any of those you know microbial heavy um right growing methods but how how much less can we use is kind of what i'm i'm going after and and i was surprised that um you know, some of the mixes that I was using early on, I could definitely dial back on, on some stuff after, you know, after testing it a couple of times, it seems like I can do that. And, um, the most recent, so Thorsberry is one of the strains that I've been working with, um, to try to dial it in for that one. And it does seem to be, you know, different per strain, which we always kind of knew, but, um, I guess to, to pay more attention to that and, and start dialing it in. And then, develop i think i'm on my third generation mix for that strain now and getting really good results with it so you know those are the ones that are you know uh some of the really nice pictures on my instagram right now are pretty much all the that third generation for that that one strain um so i'll probably you know look at dialing it in so what i did is i took a, a base and then i buried it um uh, you know the the same dosage over uh four different plants you know, so basically there was a hundred percent dosage, there was uh, 80%, uh, 60% and 40% and about 60% uh, seemed to be the best. And so in the second generation, I buried that one. So 60% was the new hundred percent. And then I stepped it down again. Um, and 80% came in, you know, kind of uh, about the same. So in the third generation, uh, I kind of split the difference. So it would have been more like uh, somewhere around 70% of what my original uh, dose was um, seems to be about the best for both potassium and phosphorus. So it's kind of interesting to run those things over multiple um, uh, multiple grows and, and not just one. So just the advantage right. of being able to do it over time and and get it dialed in and then i'll probably get tired of this strain and pick another one the best but you know how it goes oh yeah man and i feel like you know every experiment you do too you know you learn something and it just makes you a better grower you know the more experiments you do the better grower you can become so it's just another reason like it, it helps keep shit fresh for me at this point you know it I don't know. It just gives me something to do every run, you know, if I have an experiment going on besides the, the usual, you know, regular run that I'm doing or whatever. So I love yeah, having I some experiments why, in there. I think that's why they call it the rabbit hole. <laughs> you, can just, yep. you can just keep going, pick a new tunnel. Yep. There's always something, man. It, it never gets dull. And that's the, you know, the fun part about it. Absolutely. So what are some of the more interesting things that you guys have been uh, covering over there at the Growcast or some of the cooler stuff that you guys have been working on or, or talking about and, and things like that? I know you're real involved with some of the back end on there. 
Yeah, uh, like I was mentioning, you know, we're doing some seeds that we have that we're, you know, getting out to members. Um, so we've been doing some breeding stuff. Uh, we've just been doing, we've been trying to get a lot of, uh, a lot of different interviews and, and stuff that we haven't normally had on the show. Like recently we had uh, Brett from Microblade Hydro on, which was really interesting to hear him talk about his products. Um, you know, you really don't hear a lot of uh, microbe companies on and talking about their products when you think about it you know i've heard colin from mammoth p and that's kind of it you know and i don't know i know i don't watch everything or listen to everything so i'm sure there's other people on but mainly you know it you know there's not a lot of companies on talking about their products and i i use photo plus and we talk about it a lot on the show so i really wanted to get some more background and have an episode where i could point it and show people you know this is uh, you know, this is why we recommend this product. Here's some more information on it. Um, you know, people could just get a little bit more background information on microbes and what's going on and stuff like that. So we've just been trying to, to pick some new content. Um, we're hoping Rex from Power SI or Power Sci is going to come on and talk soon. We've just been trying to get a lot of, of different and new, fresh interviews and content. Uh, we, they shut down the grow past membership and changed it over to patreon recently so we've been doing the switch from that to patreon which has been interesting um we have the slack chat channel um which is you know a bunch of different chat rooms for members um i think there's a couple public chat rooms for Growcast in there too and uh you know we've just been adding a little bit here and there and trying to make the membership over there a little bit more fun a little bit more interactive he's doing jordan's doing like uh live tv on wednesdays and you know we have our ask me anythings uh once a month the first saturday every month or set second saturday every month now i believe um just trying to do a lot of fun stuff over there and just make it a good time where anybody can come over and any grower and feel comfortable and you know post pictures and get help or whatever and not feel judged or you know that kind of stuff. It gets kind of crazy over on Instagram sometimes. So it's nice to have a, a nice little safe area to go to and, you know, post and, and do what you want without having to worry about shit getting shut down or whatever. So we've just been doing stuff like that. I know he's been talking about possibly moving over to Discord soon. So I don't know if we're doing that. There's all sorts of really interesting stuff going on. So just avoid PayPal, those bastards. Oh, man. I hear horror stories all the time about paypal oh, shutting yeah. people down I, for the dumbest shit so i just went through that layer did holding. you a lot of my a lot of my money hostage right now for the next that's what months. i was gonna say are, are they holding your money from you yeah. yeah they basically close your account and tell you you'll get your money in six months and uh, go fuck yourself oh i wonder oh shit so you're you're supposed to get your money still though i know somebody who had a bunch of money locked up too like that and they're worried they weren't gonna get it back but well, they'll, okay. they'll get out. I'll drive down to the. They can't take it from you. It's your legal tender. Right. They, they can't take it, but they can hold it for 180 days. So that if someone wow. tries to challenge an account or charge on an account, they can. Right. Technically, it's under. It's because they're not officially a bank or anything like that. They don't. They're not under the same clause that that they're required to issue your currency. But they and they because of that, they can. Um, lock it up for 180 days while they investigate whatever it is that's happening so basically right. they just fuck off for 180 they won't days tell you the transaction, money you the transaction number they won't tell you the date they won't tell you the transaction amount they won't the tell one you they got you in trouble or something they won't they won't they won't i 
I spent 14 hours and uh, a lot of, I mean, you can, I, I've been screaming and screaming and yeah. That sucks, man. I, like I said, I've heard terrible stories and it seems like a lot of these payment platforms will do that. You know, they'll shut you down if they find out you're doing anything with seeds or I know people even for selling a pipe or a bong or something really this is, this, stupid. This is just consulting on grows and selling classes. We don't. Oh, no we've way. We've never even done anything with genetics. Yeah. That, wow, that's I better watch literally myself. just knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's teaching it. people the same as selling a book or a DVD. Wow. Completely protected. It would be like if uh, Jorge Savanta is just uh, got yeah, Ed Rosenthal. Yeah. yeah, that's wild, man, that they got you for that. I mean, fuck. Well, we that's... don't even, I mean, I guess technically we don't even know what it was because they don't even have to tell you. <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's wild you can't even find out like what what you know got your account shut down like this i don't know i guess they're keeping it private if somebody said something stupid or anyways they're lucky they're not within driving distance <laughs> right going to get my money now <laughs> yeah i would go get it that day <laughs> whether they wanted to give it to you or not yeah that sucks man I'm sad to hear another story. Uh, about it's that. just annoying because, like, you get all your website set up and all your other platforms plugged right. in so that you can function easily. And then, like, we have, I like, Mike, you know, I have payments that go out to uh, certain people's Patreon. We try to support the community, at least the people that, right. that can, uh, as much as possible. So, like, there's just a lot of stuff that I have to, like, it just takes me, it's going to take me like three days to fully reset up everything to get it working again. Just a pain in the ass. Something is kind of use PayPal. Don't leave your money in there. Yes, transfer to an account. Leave yeah. any large amount of money in your PayPal. That's all I have to say. Yeah, yeah, I've I've always started ever since I heard the first couple stories of people getting their stuff locked up. I try to transfer any money out ASAP because it freaks me out leaving anything in there. You know, just for that yeah, reason. Don't do it. Yeah. Not worth it. Not worth the headache or the hassle or the worry or anything. But. Yeah, man, it's it's sad that they even have like, to do that. Or at will some point even do this that. year, the feds will change the laws, and this won't even be a thing anymore. But you know, not tomorrow yeah. they won't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you can't take credit cards and shit very easily, you know. So they make it make it very hard. Yeah, well, thankfully there's other solutions. It just pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. It it really is, man. It it is. Just a bunch of worrying for nothing, you know. You have to start accepting doggy coin. <laughs> oh yeah, like well, yeah. So 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 we're we're working with a place. It's a dispensary. It's going to be launching soon, and they're talking about. They're like, "Can we do Bitcoin?" And I'm like, "Dude, you can't do crypto and, and weed. Like the feds just are like, yeah, no, you're definitely laundering money. Like, like <laughs> you can't, you can't. There are places in Vegas and stuff that'll take it, but like." You know, first off, it's going to guarantee that you get audited, and then that's a whole other fun thing with the Bitcoin involved, and just it's just a pain. In the, like, just don't. Ooh. Basically, just don't do it. Basically, is what I'm saying. Like, don't touch crypto if you're. I mean, if you're just going to take Bitcoin for weed, why wouldn't you just stay in the black market? <laughs> that's. I mean, yeah, I know. I hear people doing that all the time. Oh, yeah. You know, it is. I've, wild. I had friends uh, allegedly. Um, you know, exchanging Bitcoin on the on the black market for, um, you know, the the Silk Road still existed back when Bitcoin was was young. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, I have I have friends now that literally kick themselves because 
you know, they essentially paid what is now the equivalent of like $60,000 to have a pizza delivered. <laughs> I've heard stories like that too. Like right? if they would have just kept the Bitcoin that they paid to buy that pizza and have it delivered, it would, it would be worth like 60 grand less than 10 years later. Could you imagine being one of those people, <laughs> man? Yeah, I had 20 Bitcoin and traded them for an ounce or a couple ounces or, you know. Right, or people offer or to, pizza, to pay you like you said, shit, dude. It would be like, I mean, there were there were pounds exchanged that probably worked out to be like, you know, $100,000 pounds now because <laughs> they accepted oh, Bitcoin. Oh, my God. And I said no to Bitcoin when I, I probably shouldn't have, again, allegedly. Um, right is like you know just crazy to think about i don't know enough about it if i just said yes one time and just put that shit in my in my bank and hold on to it it would be it'd be crazy money right now so fun fun shit to think about but crypto in like a dispensary setting i don't even know why you would want to mess with it. it just seems like a whole another layer like if you've already gone through everything that you need to go through in order to get legal and be able to exchange dollars for weed legally right. in an open why market. Why the fuck would you go back and do crypto? That just seems like a, a business you don't need to poke. Definitely. So do you have any uh, cultivars that you're breeding or do you have anything that maybe is weirder that you're looking forward to popping and running in the next couple of runs? Um, the stuff that I'm working with, with, uh, breeding right now, I have a couple of males that I hold on to that I, that I really like right now. Um, one is from bloom, bloom seed company or Harry palms. It's a, a peach pie male. Um, I also have a peach pie female. They're both the stinkiest plants I've had in, in veg. And, uh, when they flower out, uh, the male gets super frosty and then the female and the male too, but the female has this like I've, I've never experienced it before myself personally, but it's like a 100% fresh peaches smell. It's, it's very, very interesting and just unlike anything I've had. So I've been hitting that mail to a bunch of my keepers. Uh, like I said, I, I like my variety. So I keep around anywhere from a dozen to 30 to 40 different varieties, depending. So, uh, you know, right now I, I, I hit them to my Slurricane female. I have a, a Max Stomper. I have a couple Finos, a 10th Planet that I really, really enjoy. So I hit those. Um, a Coffee F3 from Pacific Northwest Roots. Uh, the, another male that I got is this GMO Backcross from 808 Genetics. It's called Doodoo Butt. <laughs> it also stinks really, really, really bad. Um, I'm using that one for my next pollination because... Uh, I don't know. I just love GMO, man. There's something about it. it. Tastes good. It gets me, gets me like old school kind of high. You know, hits you behind the eyes, and you know you feel it. So these hands are getting out of control, though, man. They're they so are, man. The doo doo. But when I saw that, I'm like, man, I have a hard time even saying it. I just call it a GMO backcross because you know it just sounds so silly saying fucking doo doo. But but it sounds uh, like that's my what it's called. Named it like yeah, yeah. It does, man. It really does, you know. My, my favorite of all time, though, is still I was at Emerald Cup and someone had a menu and one of the things on there said, Cokehead Slut. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I always love that. Just trying oh, to yeah. imagine some, like, 22-year-old girl that's just gotten hired 
the first day on the job and she's trying to sell cokehead slut to some like 78 year old just just imagine how ridiculous that would be yeah and that's the funny thing man some of these names are just crazy you know like they are off the wall and they don't I don't want to knock them, you know, but they definitely don't help the cause. Like you said, trying to explain them to an older person and normalize it. And you have a name like that. It's going to be a little difficult, you know, (laughs) (laughs) we need to get a little more mature with the names. I think for sure. (laughs) Yeah. You want to smoke this doo-doo butt or this cokehead slut? Like that sounds, uh, you know, it doesn't sound super appealing. So at least to some people on the cokehead slut. Yeah. I crossed the doo-doo butt to the cokehead. (laughs) Oh man. Doo-doo yeah. Cook slut. <laughs> Doo-doo butt slut. <laughs> That's the oh shit! Oh, you could come up with some great names for that one. Sure we could sit here all day. Oh man, yeah, I'm sure we're gonna get some funny, uh, funny DMs with some great names for that one. But, but yeah, man, I've I've just pretty much been playing around with those for right now. I do have this strain I made a couple years ago. Uh, we call it the ice cream wolf man, but it, it the mother that I use is this headband Oregon's Huckleberry uh, cross, and then I cross it to an ice cream man uh, male that I have uh, from Y.E.S. Farms or Compound Genetics. It's just something super super interesting that I've played with for a couple of years now and sent them out for free to a bunch of people and got really good feedback on. So I'm taking those to the next next generation, and then I'm gonna go through those and take it again, and you know just keep playing with that one because it's been fun and like I said gotten really good feedback and the buds always come out really really pretty and really tasty so if other people like it I figure I'll keep keep working around with it so just been playing around with those um but yeah so far as the females pretty much the the 10th planet and the slurricane and the max stompers and the coffee uh I have this other one from a smaller breeder called Grassman. that's a white widow afgui cross that I really like kind of reminds me of back when I was in high school where I lived we had a lot of white widow and afghui and afghani around so kind of kind of brings back memories for me but I also got a a room with a bunch of other strains I'm running like uh some some TK Lotto and some Supreme Grapes and some ethos stuff like their Purple Magic and Citradelic Sunset and then I got some smaller breeders like uh, six star selections in there, some trapaya cake that's turning out really nice. Uh, some key lime pie from uh, Caper Purple. He made a seed form of it, and I've been growing that out. Those have been phenomenal. Some of the probably some of the best plants I've ever grown, honestly, was that Caper Purple key lime pie. Super frosty, not the biggest yielder, but gets you really, really high. Tastes really, really good. Beautiful flowers, you know, just a all around checks all the, the boxes except for you know the yield but but even then it's a really dense strain so you know it might not look like much but it does weigh out pretty good so it's good stuff well i like that your first box to check was that when you smoked it it got you really high <laughs> <Doesn't> check <laughs> yeah. that box what the fuck is the point gotta right? get you really high you know medicinally it's got to do something for you you know i mean yeah there are some strains that I, I have kept around that might not necessarily get me super high, but have that really good flavor. You know, at this point, I, I don't get, I've been smoking long enough. I guess I don't get super high anymore, but you know, I'm, I'm more about flavors at this point. Um, you know, just the fact that, you know, like I, I like to smoke different kinds of weed during the day or at night or to go. Oh yeah. You know, me like, too, man. For sure. Just that they, you know, they have a head change in effect. Like there's nothing worse than, 
a really yeah. cool guy that doesn't do shit. You know, like yeah, you and you go all day, in. and you're you're like you said, you're progressing from hoping that okay, I've been smoking since the morning, so now I really need something that's gonna work at eight o'clock at night because I've been smoking all day and smoked four different kinds throughout the day. So you know that fifth one's really got to hit the spot. For sure, that's such a weed snob thing to say, but I love it. <laughs> it is, man. Once you once you become a grower and you know you got you do a couple different varieties, it does become kind of snobby. And and like you said, uh, especially when you're growing medicinally, man, you have to have a, a variety. It's not just that you get bored of different flavors, you know, the same flavors over and over, and you need different stuff. But you just you got to keep the effect going. You got to find the right the right ones that work for you, you know, and alternate between them or keep That's different varieties thing, going about having a limited plant count too, you know, having only 12 plants, it, it really sucks to grow something you don't like. <laughs> yeah. You're bummed when you, work. when you pop something and it's not a yeah. good, you know, that's the worst, man. Yeah. It's like, man, I just spent all that wasted time. real estate. <clears throat> yeah. So maybe, you know, a lot of times I'll like, you know, give it away or you know, I, I sort of have my, uh, I mean, I'm never out of weed. So, you know, it's not like that's ever really an issue, but I have the, you know, the, the reserves, the, the joint rollers, you know, for uh, when I have friends over, you know, we can bust it out and roll up big fat joints and not have to worry about it. You know, so I, I definitely have the, we'll say the, the B grade um, stuff, but uh, I, I think that it just, when you invest so much in growing your own stuff, it's always a disappointment if it doesn't, um, it doesn't have any type of medicinal value for you. <laughs> um, it just feels like, a waste of time yeah it really does it's like you're smoking for no reason you know at that point it better have some seriously good flavor you know other than that there's there's not really any reason to, to smoke something if it's not going to have much of an effect on you right and, and that being said sometimes uh some of the people that i give it to say you know that they you know really had a good effect for them so you know there's yeah, exactly. Always, you know, it's not like there's something wrong with the strain or whatever. It just doesn't land well with me. Uh, but when you only have 12 plants to grow, <laughs> it really sucks when that happens because not only do you, you know, you, you give away part of it, but you, you know, you spend all that time doing it. You can't get that time back. And it's not like you can just have extra plants to account for it. Um, otherwise you could just grow, you know, 10 of every strain and that wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily be a problem. Um, so just another another way the plant count sucks is all i come to oklahoma it's fine <laughs> that's we don't true. even have plant counts i can grow acres that's, a, God, that's, what that's crazy, our clients man. so cool they want uh they want a 45 cent per plant tax now though for track and trace which is a bit bullshit 45 i'm sure they'll change plant. stuff around yeah that's still well, pretty minimal compared to well, you'd have to go through in other states. Oh, right. Yeah. Certainly for that plant count. So, right. Yeah, I'd pay the 45 cent if we, you know, no plant count or pay 45 cent per plant. I'd pay it. Yeah, sign me up. For real. But yeah, it would suck if you're doing acres, like you said. It's going to get pricey. Eh, for some of the big places, I guess. They should I mean, be able to afford eight, it. You uh, should be able to afford 45 cents. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> kind of the thing. Exactly. Bigger. Scales nicely. Make it happen. 
All right. So um, do you want to tell everybody how to find you or any other, uh, do you have any other um, things that you've been working on lately on your content? Uh, I mean, that's pretty much it so far as content wise. I mean, you can always find me over on, you know, Growcast. Like I said, I helped Jordan out um, or my IG account, uh, Rizo underscore rich underscore ICC or uh, my website, www.illinoiscannaconsulting.com. And, you, you know, you, you can always DM me on IG or email me or, like I said, find me through the show and talk to me there. I'm, I'm pretty open. I'll answer, you know, pretty much any question anybody asks me or, you know, help in any way I can. So I just see in chat, uh, ball for life 420 wants to know if you still have the blue raspberry truffles. Ah, yeah. He's a a local Illinois grower. No, I do not have that cut anymore. Uh, that was from a guy who I know and who that ball for life guy knows. And I had some, uh, some keepers I lost over the summer. And that was one of them was my uh, blue raspberry truffle from Irie genetics. That was a great plant yielded really well too. Those always Love hurt. that one. When yeah, you, those you, hurt, man. Those always hurt. I lost like maybe eight, eight of my keepers, and it is what it is. Shit happens, but you know, sometimes you do have to uh, take the loss. You know, it happens yeah, for sure. So, what are some of the more common things that you see doing consulting when the smaller grows? Oh man, uh, probably the biggest thing, at least for newer growers who usually are doing smaller grows, the number one problem that I see is right off the bat is equipment. Like people just have an incredibly difficult time trying to figure out what they're supposed to buy, um, you know, what each piece of equipment means, uh, what a cheap tent is versus a, a more pricier tent, and what kind of a setup, you know, if you're going to buy a cheap tent, what kind of a setup you should be running it in. And, you know, you might not want to put a cheaper tent that might have a light leak or something in it and in a, a living room where you're going to be in there with the lights on all the time. If you're going to throw it in a garage or a spare bedroom or the lights off all the time, then use a cheaper tent that might have a light leak because, you know, you're not going to be in that room and it's going to be dark anyway. But if you're going to put it in your living room, you might want to, you know, buy that thicker material tent. A lot of people just don't know a lot of these really small information things. And, and then you get into lighting and it gets even crazier. You know, you got LED and HID, and then you got different kinds of LED and, uh, you know, quality of them and companies making claims. And it's just very difficult for newer growers to uh, navigate all that stuff and what they're supposed to buy. Some people think they're supposed to spend $20,000 on their, you know, five plant grow. And other people want to do it for under a thousand or, you know, 600 bucks or something so it's you know it's 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 just a a very interesting thing that you know i see over and over and probably the most out of anything is just people having a very very hard time selecting equipment and not knowing how to navigate it um you know and set stuff up i think a lot of people think it's more complicated than it really is to set up a grow We've had a, a couple of people recently ask us about uh, doing a dollar, a dollar general or a dollar store aquaponics setup. And uh, I think we're going to try and do that once I get moved here in, in a month or two. Uh, I'm going into the new spot. I think we'll definitely try to do that and make a, a small home grow, uh, you know, on, on a dollar out of a dollar store. Some of the more remote, uh, not that great uh, supply lists um, that, that are available in the U.S., but uh, 
but but not all that great so that's definitely something else is where i've seen that's kind of a, been a little bit of a trend lately too people trying to do those you know bare bones bare bones budget yep yeah man i see a lot of it a lot of budget grows and i'm totally fine with that you know it's just doing it right is all and like you said it can be pulled off you just have to know what you're doing and you have to to know uh you know your parameters and what you need to what your environment is and you know like i said what kind of room you're using and just small little details like that you can pull off shit man you can do it for cheap you don't need to drop 20 grand into some small grow room you know i built rooms for a couple hundred bucks so it's all about what you want to do what your goal is and you know just like i said that's probably the number one number one thing i see at this point is is equipment selection problems and just figuring out how to navigate all that shit, especially lighting also you know with organics uh people just wanting to start out on organics and usually the first thing they want to start out with is you know a water only soil or a, a pre-made or a pre-blended soil that already comes in a bag because they want to see how you know what kind of results they're going to get just with that and and then they kind of go down deeper from there. So I get a lot of questions, like I said, about that, which is why I ran that uh, super soil or, or water only ex uh, soil experiment is, you know, I just wanted to be able to give some better feedback and tell some people, you know, personally, what I saw when I used this soil or whatever, you know, so I don't like being able to, somebody asked me a question and I can't answer it myself, you know, and give them honest feedback. I don't want to have to, you know, say something I don't know or say, hey, this is a great soil because I saw so-and-so use it and they had good results, so it must be good. But, you know, I don't know necessarily exactly what they were doing. And, you know, when I can run it myself and just do water only myself, it gives me a really good idea of, you know, what's going on in this, this bag and what kind of luck a new grower is going to have that's trying to keep it super simple, you know. For sure, yeah. Uh, that's one of the things that I think a lot of people like about the this more simple part A, part B kind of systems for nutrients as well as uh, versus, uh, you know, something like like taking on something like aquaponics in the beginning, um, where it can be a little bit confusing. Um, uh, it's definitely uh, uh, something that we hear a lot about as well. And then uh, something that we tried to solve over at aquaponic or apmjnutes.com. Uh, you can actually get, uh, you know, those simple, simplified kind of fish safe nutrients um, for veg and, and bloom. Uh, you can pick how many weeks uh, that you need nutrients for on each and then uh, and get them over there. So um, uh, definitely. What was that? Uh, what was that address again? It's apmjnutes.com. A-P-M-J-N-U-T-E-S.com. Right on. I have a buddy who... Uh... He's starting up his first grow and actually he is he's building everything out and I'm helping him do stuff, but he's going straight into aquaponics. That's what he wants to do for his first run. And he's a very crafty and very smart guy. So if anybody can do this and pull it off, it's him. Like I said, he's been like hand building things, the setup. He's he's been doing phenomenal and and he's actually been sending me like stuff he's been researching and some of it has been from you. So it's it's really funny. I'm like, well, you're on the right track. You're you know, looking at the the right spot for information so uh yeah when he finally gets actually going and plants are in there he just got his lighting and stuff and tent and and all that stuff uh i'll have to send him that way to get the the nutrients because i was very 
very unsure of what to do with that. You know, I've never done an aquaponic setup myself and I don't know what kind of nutrients to use. And I've heard you talk about stuff and certain things that the plants need that may be not so great for the fish or whatever. And you have to watch the amount of what you use and that kind of stuff. So it would be nice to be able to just go somewhere and be like, hey, you can grab these nutrients there and you don't have to necessarily stress that as much, you know? Yeah, we sell them in a couple of kits. Again, you just pick how many weeks of veg and flour you're going to do, how many gallons it is. We have that all the way down even to aquarium size. So I know there's a lot of people that uh, are doing aquariums out there and uh, and want to be able to do uh, and get nutrients for that can work with their planted aquariums or their aquaponic systems. Maybe they, they have, you know, a, a home aquarium and they're trying to just hook up their grow tent to it. Um, it gives them the ability to boost those nutrients. And then, you know, they can still top dress if they want to above that, but at least kind of gives you something that's turnkey and, and easy to use and, uh, you know, right. an easy transition. Uh, so that, you know, because it can be a little bit intimidating, but if you have something just a veg and a bloom uh, and it's similar to what people are used to with hydro or cocoa, uh, it makes that transition easier until you can feel more comfortable and then you can get fancy. But the whole point is to make it simple to make that step. Yeah, no, man, I totally agree. I, I, like I said, I've never done full on aquaponics myself. I do have a fish tank and I do use like the water, you know, when I, I do like a water change, I'll use that water in my grow, but that's about as far as I've, I've gone into it, you know using any kind of uh fish fish based water besides that and the using that foop stuff but yeah man it, it seems very interesting i love aquaponics it's definitely something i'd like to get into myself eventually i'll be building out a, a larger facility here in the next couple of months and uh, doing a large both clone and um and flower facility i know marty is also working on you have a, a greenhouse build you want to talk about that for a second to uh, the build that you're doing right now oh yeah so on um on our teachable platform as a part of the uh, uh aquaponics master class um you can uh, check this uh new build out so we're doing a uh it's gonna be about 10 foot wide probably about 12 feet tall maybe a little bit taller i'm not sure we just got the hoops up and i haven't got them all lined up yet but somewhere between you know let's say 12 and 14 feet tall um, and about 40 feet long the aquaponic system that will go inside of it um, you know we'll do bid, build videos for and um, eventually going to turn it into a light deprivation greenhouse so we'll be able to kind of track that from beginning to end the first I want to say like three videos of like how to measure out set the posts kind of the, the tips for doing each one of the phases all the way up until raising the hoops, uh, excuse me, and, and getting the, the lumber added on will be the next video. So um, you can check that out on the Teachable platform uh, if you're a part of that master class, which already has a bunch of other content, which we're still working to get uploaded. <clears throat> we did our first uh, live session with students, so we're looking at doing that one to two times a month. Uh, which is basically just a question and answer period um, with any of the students and you can submit questions beforehand um, if you aren't able to make it and then we record the class and it gets uploaded to a special section of the class so that you can review it and get your questions answered that way. So um, the Teachable platform, I know we were kind of shitting on different media places <coughs> earlier. Uh, that like to ban us and all I can say about Teachable so far is they've been great about all of that stuff. Not all of their features have worked um, and some of them are pretty advanced and it took a little while for support to be able to 
you know, figure out how to make things work and not make me upload a single video at a time. Um, and then click next and then click on another video <laughs> and then click next. So their bulk uploader, I'm happy to say is finally working and that makes my life much easier. Um, but Teachable has been a great platform. They have not hassled us one single bit about any content that we've had. We have tons of pictures up. We have tons of video up. We have slideshow, everything from, uh, you know, genetics, seeds, you know, aquaponics stuff, cannabis stuff, history, you know, all kinds of different things in regards to cannabis. And they have not complained one bit. So uh, shout out to them. And I really enjoy their platform. It's a great way to keep both um, uh, content that you've already recorded and be able to um, uh, edit it relatively easily. So we have everything broken down into sections, um, sort of like uh, short videos attached to a slide. Um, and you can just kind of hone in on where you want to go. And that makes it great for us when we want to update stuff, we can just go replace one small section instead of, you know, reteach the whole class again or re-record a whole hour long section or, um, you know, we can just either uh, add another video to append whatever new information we have, or we can replace the entire video. If we find out something wasn't accurate, we can just re-record a very small section of it and not have to redo a lot of work. So I do like the platform uh, and it can be really interactive and it's been great so far. So definitely check that out. If you want to find out more information on the greenhouse build, it'll have everything from the build videos. I'm working on the, the build list. So we'll have the full costs and where I sourced all the materials. Um, and then we'll, as soon as the greenhouse gets finished putting all the way together, we'll do the uh, aquaponic system build inside, um, you know, all the way down to setting up the dual root zone pots and getting them put in and selecting which ones we have. I do have the beginning parts of the phenotype hunt already recorded, but I'm just kind of waiting till I get some plants farther along and have more content before I post that section. So that's all kind of the new content stuff that we're working on in addition to try to finish uploading. I, I want to say we're about 300 or so slides into the full 620 slides or whatever it is for the, the base class. So um, yeah, that's a, all the, the teachable updates. Uh, I've really enjoyed the live session yesterday. So I'm looking forward to do those more often. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of a lot of work and a lot of, a lot of fun doing that together. I also have a much larger. Um, it's going to end up being around twelve thousand square foot um, aquaponic build that we'll be doing here later in, in the next few months, and then finishing up a large grow. Uh, we've been uh, helping out on in, in uh, a southern state that uh, I'll, I'll show off here a little bit more in a couple of weeks when it's <laughs> when it's all finished up because uh, it's going to be really cool. And uh, something I think that you guys haven't quite seen in, in a cooler place of the country that uh, not, isn't really known as much for cannabis. But if you go there and you see the climate, you're like, oh my gosh, this place is going to be awesome. So, yeah, there's some good places down south for sure for that weather wise, you know. <laughs> All righty. Well, um, uh, why don't you tell everybody how to find you uh, once again and, uh, and we'll start to wrap up the show here. Yeah. Uh, it at Rizo underscore rich underscore ICC or uh, at Growcast or www.illinoiscannaconsulting.com. 
Awesome. We'll uh, we'll make sure that we get that on the um, uh, in the description here, along with the the other links that you'd sent me. Um, once once we're wrapped up here, and it'll also be in the audio description. So, uh, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, thank you, man. I really appreciate you having me on. It was a a great time and a pleasure, man. I I really really appreciate it. And uh, and he also has a bunch of really awesome interviews over at the Growcast. Uh, quite a few hours of knowledge over there that he's he's dropped. So definitely check that out. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, Marty, what are, what else have you been up to uh, this week? <clears throat> uh, well, let's see. I cut down um, <clears throat> cut down a couple of plants, so they're hanging up and drying. Uh, replaced those with plants from the bedroom, so basically had you know ones ready to go, and was able to reload those. So I'm really liking the perpetual flower setup as opposed to harvesting the whole room at once. Um, I'm able to keep the entire room functional 100% of the time, much easier than having to cut everything down, dry everything, trim everything, reload everything. Like it's just a, it's a lot of work to turn it over that way. So, um, so I'm really enjoying that. And I think about probably about, you know, anywhere from four to six plants at a time, depending on how they finish up. And it's kind of nice to not really worry about like, you know, what day I'm on, you know, cause I'm not going to track what day I'm on for each individual plant. That just seems overkill. <laughs> and, uh, um, I might late, I might start labeling them just with the date that they get put in or something like that. But what I find is nice is that I'm just, all I do is look at the plant and decide whether or not it's done, or I think it should be scoped or whatever, you know, like I don't have this preconceived notion of whether or not it should be finished or not. Um, ah, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. Um, so uh, that's been really good. So I have some Thorsberry that come down underneath the, the LED. So I'm doing the LED grow off, which, you know, kind of got a, a restart here um, because I had uh, one plant herm out and I had one plant uh, that was mislabeled. Um, so I reloaded that. I have one plant that was from that first run that I need to let finish up so it's still growing underneath the bloom plus which I, th I think it's a bp 3000 is the name of that and those that I've been really impressed with that light uh, especially for its price point um, I think that it's around 250 to 300 dollars for a 300 watt uh, led with uh, samsung diodes and a it's not a great driver, or at least a well-known one. I forget the name of it now. There's a video of the unboxing and all the details on it. I forget what the, the brand of driver it is, but we'll say it's an off-brand. It's not a mean well driver, for instance. <clears throat> so it's it's definitely your, your less expensive uh, grow light, but the results have been excellent. And um, so I, I, was, I was really impressed with that. And uh, I've heard a lot about the spider farmer lights. I've had friends that use them and swear by them. So um, they actually just reached out to me directly <clears throat> on my Instagram and uh, asked me if I would be interested. And I said, heck yeah. So they are sending me a light. That will be the 200 watt version of theirs. I want to say that's like a SF 2000 or 200 or something like that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that compares. Then we have the 150 watt Mars Hydro, 
which I haven't really been able to tell a lot about because I had to pull both of the plants that were underneath that in its first run. So um, other, all I can say is that it seems to put out, you know, a considerable amount of light for only 150 watt light. And of course it's ridiculously cool in comparison. Um, so it's just been fun to kind of have the different types. Then obviously I have the 330 watt ceramic metal halide um, Phillips uh, lights that I've been using for, for a while now. So it kind of gives me a good baseline. I already know what those are gonna do and how they're gonna produce uh, already. So it gives me a, a, a nice comparison. And I can definitely say that the, uh, the BP 3000, so the Bloom Plus light, uh, you know, appears to be brighter and get a better yield uh, than the ceramic metal halide lights. So um, just kind of excited to see the differences in, in different lights as we get them in and up. So that's a lot of fun. Um, I have the, the Fino Hunt. Well, it's not really a pheno hunt, but I have essentially a few beans of the uh, pineapple jack and the kajoa kush that have been growing out for a little while now. So we'll be able to pick the ones that we want to flower out in the probably the next round. So um, I, I, don't, yeah, I haven't decided yet if I want to keep the seed as the original mom or keep the clone as the mom and flower out the seed. I've heard really good arguments both ways for, for doing this, that by flowering out the original seed, you can kind of see more what the potential is, but other people argue that keeping the seed for the mom will give you better quality clones moving forward. So I'm kind of interested in doing it both ways again and seeing if I notice any type of difference, but I'm, again, I'm so limited by plant count that, um, yeah, that that becomes difficult to do logistically. So I may end up just biting the bullet in, uh, in doing the full tracking system and bringing on other client or other um, patients to be able to care give for, which there's no shortage of. It's just a matter of having to do all the additional tracking, um, but I can get bumped up to a 48 plant count. So I may end up going that route and seeing how that works just so that I can have more plans to work with, especially um, uh, with the greenhouse being able to go outdoors. Now I can keep both of them going all the time. Whereas right now the plan is more to flip flop back and forth. So my room gets too hot in the summertime to really be able to run without air conditioning. So I'll probably just shut down most of it and just run the, uh, the greenhouse when it's too hot. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where everything's at right now. The um, uh, outdoor system, you know, all that stuff will probably be in in time to be able to do a full term outdoor this year if I wanted to. <clears throat> so, and I already have plants that are started and ready to go. So as soon as they get loaded up, we should be able to get some pretty big outdoor plants, which I've been wanting to do for quite a while now. Um, my outdoor plants, you know, or my outdoor grow got shut down after regulation came in with legalization and we had to move and it's taken a while. I think it took us about two years to save up and be able to buy a new place. And then, you know, another year or so of, you know, moving and building and we had to, you know, do some work here. We had to put in all the electrical. We had to 
um, uh, seal up all the walls. We, you know, there's a number of different things that we had to do before we could get started into production. And now about three runs in in the flower room um, here. So that, that's been a lot of fun. And now we can get the greenhouse going. So it's just kind of ramping things up and, and trying to get going um, after massive setbacks, <laughs> I guess is the uh, easiest and shortest way to put it. But um, yeah, I think that I'm really excited in terms of uh, how the class is working out and how it pairs nicely with um, all the stuff that I do here. It's not a, uh, you know, a lot of it is just recording work that I already do and talking about it a little bit. So I try to incorporate it and then it makes the class kind of more of, you know, uh, kind of like what what Rich was talking about of being more more based in real world ex real world experience, you know. For the most part, you know, I have the the things that I've done in a variety of different ways. I've grown in different ways. I've grown in sips. I've grown in uh, raised beds. I've done living soil. I've done pretty much everything except for straight Kool Aid hydro. Um, is is about the only thing that I haven't done. And I may even do that at some point. I've had a couple of different organic hydro lines. There's one, I forget their name here, but there, I have a number of friends here that use an organic hydro line. I want to say it's like Elevation Organics. Sorry if I got that wrong, guys. But um, they've reached out to me before about doing uh, kind of a similar thing to what Rich was doing with um, Tester Runs. And, uh, and I may do that at some point as well. But again, you kind of start running out unless I get a larger plant count that you start running out of different tester things you can do. If you've got four different strains and you want to vary it across three different plants, then you're already tapped out <laughs> on the number of plants that you can grow. So uh, it can be really tough to try to test as many things as I would like to test. Um, so we, we may see that kind of expansion uh, moving forward. So that's all the fun stuff I have going on. Awesome. Well, um, I've just been working on uh, we some some more aquarium lines for nutrients. We've got a huge demand for that, so we've been working on a couple of other options for that on the on the nutrient site with Roger over at uh, APMJNutes.com. And for veggies, you can get them over at TrueAquaponics.com. And um, uh, yeah, we've had a couple of new customers for the subscription service. Um, so that's been kind of growing each month. We have a subscription service. If you want us to take care of your nutrients on your commercial farm, uh, you can check that over at trueaquaponics.com. Uh, and uh, what else? Just working on some some product, just this this new project in the south and then the, the new farm out here in Oklahoma and um, getting ready to switch up the product lines for the summer for the beverages and coming into springtime, you know, moving into teas and lemonades and things like that from from the, the wintertime drinks. So uh, switching that over and just kind of getting ready for springtime all around. Um, oh, the other thing is uh, working on, we have a new grow club that we founded out here in Oklahoma. So we've been working on that. We'll have our, our meetings the second Tuesday of every month. So uh, uh, the Bryan County Green Club. Um, so that's been a lot of fun helping uh, local people get growing and, and just kind of doing what a lot of what we do here with the podcast, but just helping some local people out, you know, giving them a, a monthly club that we can all get together and, and have. I know how, how awesome that was when I found one in, in Denver when I first moved out to Colorado. 
and we would drive like an hour and a half to go to that club uh you know just to have a place where we could go talk to other cannabis growers and a lot of people especially in these newer states don't have that kind of experience so it definitely if you if you are more knowledgeable than the average bear um you know get out there and start a local grow club find a a space that'll let you host it and uh, and, and just do it you know and uh, we had a, a, the first meeting last month in, a, in the middle of a freezing rainstorm and we we packed the room so um, you know there's a huge demand for that type of stuff it, it's a cooler more private kind of way that people can can get questions answered in, in a place that's more comfortable for a lot of people and again a lot of us that listen to this show are more knowledgeable than the people in our area and you know if it's a place where you can go out and talk about it publicly i, I highly encourage you to start your own local grow club uh, even if it's for you know not just for cannabis but just a, a local gardening club you know you'll find the local growers just they'll, they'll show up don't worry and never doubt how effective it is uh you know because that's how all of the information about all of this survived it being illegal for so long was each one teach one and uh you know if you've got the knowledge go and, and you, i'm just speaking personally i can say you know i feel like it's a lot of fun like it feels good to just help people um and get random text messages that are like hey man i i uh <clears throat> Really appreciate all of, you know the information you put out. I learned how to grow from listening to your videos and uh, your podcast, and uh, you know just now I grow all my own medicine for myself, and I got myself off of pharmaceuticals, or my husband's off of his PTSD meds, or uh, my you know I'm making RSO for my grandpa, or you know like there's a number of different ones that have come in, and it doesn't you know all those are the you know. That, that's basically the the reason that we do it. it's not like we make a ton of money off of doing a podcast or you know right. recording youtube videos or you know it's not like you know <laughs> we're not mr beast in terms of marketing here it's uh we don't get tons of views we don't make a lot of money off of marketing we don't make any money off of ads like most of the time it just goes to paying hosting fees or whatever else to keep the podcast on apps that everybody likes to do, which by the way, thanks for handing all that, Steve. I don't even have to worry about it. <laughs> um, yeah, so we actually, I've made less than $400 to date on my YouTube in terms of revenue generated from ads and that ad sense, because I have the cannabis stuff on here will not let me pull it out. So right. we've made money. Can't even take it out just to give people wow. an idea of like, this is a labor of love and, uh, and that's, you know, we certainly don't do this to get rich. Yeah, it's a great way um, to get an education. I'll say, you know, we've been able to interview and talk with, you know, some of the the leading minds in different fields and um, really has been able to help, you know, probably like a college level course, uh, you know, that I've been taking personally <laughs> since we started doing it. So it, it's, a, it's a great um, source of knowledge to be able to have, but it's... Um, you know, aside from that, the, uh, you know, the, the sharing with other people and, and the feedback and appreciation that you get for doing that, um, you know, feels really good. And I recommend more people partake in that in your local areas, you know, talk with your co-op or uh, your different grow stores. If you've got a local hydro shop, most of them are willing to let you meet there. In fact, I just, uh, <clears throat> one of the, the first classes I ever taught on aquaponic cannabis was here locally at a grow shop and somebody on one of my posts 
online, I think it was in the Probiotic Farmers Alliance group, somebody was like, hey, didn't you teach a class like six years ago at the uh, Ladybug store in Phoenix? And I was like, hell yeah, I did. <laughs> you know, so like, it was just cool to sort of connect some of those dots over over so long, but they, they let me have a class in there just for their own self-promotion and didn't charge me anything. And, uh, you know, it, it was great. There's a lot of resources for that. So um, a lot of times, you know, reach out to those different places and, um, you know, try try to get involved and make it better. You'll find it's, it's a lot of fun. It's cool. Like, you know, especially with the, with the, how big we've gotten now, like I, I've traveled the world, I've gone all the way to Africa and then been able to make, you know, so just say, Hey, I'm, I'm X, Y, Z, wherever I was, I'm not going to give it away. Cause I don't want anyone to get in trouble, but within a, an hour and a half, I was able to get a bag of weed, <laughs> even that's though so I cool. just flown over an ocean. So, um, you know, that's cool. You know, being able to, to educate so many people that you can travel damn near anywhere and still, you know, find something, dude. <laughs> yeah, man. I know exactly what you mean. That is a, a killer feeling for sure. And, and I'm sure the guy, the, I'm sure the guy who's, who, I don't, I'm not going to out him because I don't want to get him in trouble, but he knows who he is. Shout out to him and his brother. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so um, yeah, Marty and I have just been working on that, working on getting more content up for the class. We're going to be doing um, some other classes here later in the year, some, some introductory classes for aquaponics. We'll do some, I'm going to do my herb class and we'll have some other content up later in the year. Um, hopefully have my damn book done this year. Although uh, this big build that I'm going to be doing might cut into that, but it, it'll end up being content for the book as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll see if uh, I decide to cut the, cut that in or out and, and leave that on the online class or not, but we'll see. But other than that, just uh, working hard. Uh, we have a uh, getting ready for, for spring um, with the people I'm working with out here and uh, just kind of getting, uh, getting cuts going, getting cultivars going, new pheno hunts, and then uh, working on this other project a couple states over again, doing they're just coming online. So they're uh, doing their pheno hunting and, and thinning down, getting ready for spring as well. Uh, they have uh, two very large greenhouses will be packing up and uh, and getting those uh, uh, into production. So uh, uh, that'll be a lot of fun. And as well as uh, changing up their filtration, they have a drum filter, which is really good for aquaculture, but not very good for aquaponics for what we're doing. So we're gonna actually have, uh, change the way that that waste is coming out of the drum filter so that we can capture a large percentage of it for mineralization and then you know utilize the rest of it for some field crop areas um, uh, on the rest of the, the output from it. So uh, it's gonna be kind of cool and, and a little bit different design than we normally do, but they'll be able to have a significantly higher fish stocking densities than you normally would for, for an aquaponics system. So it's gonna be kind of a, a funky high, kind of a somewhere in the middle between a decoupled and a, and a couple that it's going to be kind of an interesting setup because of their, their layout, but it's going to be a lot of fun to work on. And uh, just nice to travel again. I feel like it's, uh, you know, having gotten COVID and, and, uh, and gotten through that, uh, uh, it was nice to go through an airport a couple of weeks ago and not really worry about getting sick and, you know, still wearing the mask and all, but, you know, more or less just be like, eh, it's kind of, you know, something I don't have to worry about at least immediately. And, and it was nice just to travel again, to be frank with you. Just oh, I'm sure, man. Sense of normalcy again, you know. Right. Yeah, that sounds, sounds like you got a lot going on, man. It sounds like some really fun stuff too. And still get, just like before, still get grope, extra groping at the at TSA. <laughs> the dreads. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. if you if you have dreadlocks or anything like that, just 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 opt out and and take the pat down. They're gonna do it anyway, even if you go through the scanner. So just just go ahead and take the groping out, right? <laughs> just oh, while he does it, and then they'll they'll go easy on him. Well, like the last two times I've gone through, I've been in a hurry, right? So I do the scanner. I just jump right in the scanner and like, you have density in the back. And it's like, here, <laughs> now it's in the front. We'll do this again. See, set it off. Are we good? <laughs> like, oh, man. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> There's nothing I can do about it. Like, <laughs> no shit, man. So that's fun. But whatever. Um yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. Um, getting some new genetics from Mr. Green Jeans Garden. Uh, he's got some new stuff. He's he's uh, he's got for me, so that'll be cool. I'm trying to think what else we got going on. I think that's about it for now. Um, we have some really cool guests in the queue. I know I kind of uh, been uh, a little bit wonky this year with the get uh, the bookings and stuff like that, but it's going to get a lot better. We have some some really cool people coming up. Um, uh, the guys from Cannabuzz. We have some really cool agronomists that we booked. I'm going to keep secret until we we do the day of the show and a couple of other people. So uh, I'm really stoked on that. So Right on. Um, uh, Marty, do you want to tell everybody how to find you? If you're still there. If not, I will. There he is. Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, uh, yeah. So you can find me uh, at AP Meds on YouTube, on Instagram, uh, on Facebook, we have the Aquaponic Cannabis Growers Group, which I think is like 7,000 members these days. Yeah, in um, order to get to it, you have to go facebook.com slash groups slash APCANA, A-P-C-A-N-N-A. Um, if you don't type it in, a lot of times it won't show up in search, with, especially with the new UI. It like hides it or whatever, so you have to type in the URL if you want to find it. But we do have... <laughs> enormous community there we have lots of files on there as well for helping people grow test uh, testing equipment stuff and some some basic um, how-to guides and stuff like that on there sounds awesome yeah so um so yeah the uh, cannabis growers group we hang out on there all the time we also have the uh, discord which is posted on there um so if you want to come in there uh, some people who don't stay on facebook um like to come into there and be able to ask questions as well obviously we have the teachable that we talked about uh that platform is up and live so please go check that out um, we have the uh aqua chronic on reddit yep the aquaponic Love the name. Group on. <laughs> yeah um so yeah definitely a lot of stuff going on those are all the places that you can find me and then obviously um you know whatever platform you're on uh you know feel free to message me um comment on the youtube videos there's a number of different ways to submit your questions and um i would say the most uh active place right now if you're looking for updates on girls are either the youtube channel or the facebook group um, if you're looking for education then definitely check out the class that's where all of the um, more how-to content is going to be posted um, pretty much now moving forward and uh, you'll see more of the results-based videos on the YouTube walkthroughs and um, just updates about what's happening. So that's gonna kind of be the platform moving forward. As long as Teachable continues to leave us alone, we will be happy with that. Yeah, Teachable is really cool because it's gonna allow us to kind of 
continue to cover more in-depth topics and get really far down rabbit holes and and give people a much, in our opinion, a much better education experience rather than us teaching the same thing over and over and the same basic stuff. It allows us to kind of not have to reteach a lot of the basics once we've taught it once and, and really start to get, you know, layer on a lot more depth onto some of the different topics and add, you know, supplementary lectures onto some of the stuff that we have or, or go back and re-record stuff if we change it. You know, I know Marty and I have re-recorded one or two slides already that, you know, we've just had updated information or maybe the regulatory stuff changed in terms of what was allowed somewhere and not allowed for pest controls. And we've had to go, you know, it, very easy for us to go back and just change out that that five or 10 minute section and re-record it and, and keep it up to date. So um, we're really happy with the platform and how much it's gonna allow us to give you guys a much better and more in-depth um, uh, education experience. It's only gonna grow in complexity as, as it goes on. That's what it sounds like, man. It sounds like a really nice platform. Like you said, you can get it nice and uh, layered. You know, you can put on the layers and, uh really get detailed about shit a little bit better instead of having to go re you know re go back through everything each time and it's kind of hard to add add things on you know when you're teaching the same shit over and over again like you were saying yeah for instance on like the spider mite section we have a whole lecture on that but then we also have a bunch of reference pictures and early uh, early infestation pictures and things like that and 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 a whole bunch of different zoomed in pictures of different color morphs of different spider mites even though they're all spider mites you know they're they're just different looking ones so that we have you know kind of a little library that goes with it so as well so it's kind of a cool. again a, a very kind of cool different experience and not just kind of a watch the video and you got your experience it's there's more to it than that and, and yeah i don't know we're very happy with the platform Yeah, I love it, man. It sounds awesome. Alrighty, well, um, I think we'll wrap up the show. Uh, do you want to tell us once again, uh, uh, Rizo Rich, how to how to find you before we we close down? Yeah, just at uh, at Rizo underscore Rich underscore ICC or www.illinoiscannonconsulting.com. Um, you can find me over on the Growcast show too at Growcast. Um, like I said, I'm always willing to help or talk with whoever, so I'm pretty open. You can always DM me or email me. Awesome. Well, thanks I've, for having me on really yeah, appreciate it man appreciate it and uh definitely check out him uh as well more over on growcast uh, he's got many hours of content on there uh, and you can find me at potent ponics and uh, soundcloud itunes uh spotify we are on pr pretty much everything if anyone knows of a platform that we aren't on and you want me on there uh, just shoot me an email and I'll, I'll make sure we get it on there but uh, i think we're on most of the popular stuff now um and uh yeah um, you can always find our audio versions on your favorite podcast platform and uh, the video version on YouTube. Um, I will be also doing a series every Wednesday. Um, we, uh, we're going to finish off the rest of the virtual aquaponic cannabis conference videos. And then I'm going to have some different uh, talking lectures. Some stuff's going to be um, stuff from maybe a short from the class. Uh, some of it's going to be um, from uh, maybe one of the recordings or one of the slide decks that I'll just talk about from the Grow Club because I'm putting together some different stuff for that to help support that. Uh, and then also just some other different talks that Marty and I have done at different events or just kind of additional supplementary uh, stuff. I want to do a really good guide on lactobacillus for aquaponics um, because I think it's super important for preventing food outbreaks and things like that uh, or food, food disease outbreaks and things like that for aquaponics as well as, you know, just a, a useful thing for, for anyone growing in aquaponics or soil. Um, so we're going to do a series on that and IMO collection that we'll put out and then uh, just some other really cool stuff that um, I think that 
uh, are kind of missing from the channel's content right now. So, uh, and then also a lot of people have been asking me about bugs lately. Um, I actually have a whole 26 video guide on, on aquaponic pest management that is all fish safe. We cover many beneficial microbes, um, uh, biofungicides, uh, beneficial insects, uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So um, definitely check that out over there at Potent Ponics at YouTube and uh, the in the playlist section. You can find that uh, in there if you're having insect questions. All right, um, uh, thanks a lot, everybody. Uh, again, uh, if you're looking for a, a, a class, definitely check that out over apmjclass.com. If you need nutrients, check that over apmjnutes.com. And uh, 